We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome into the award-winning Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast presented by FanDuel. It is Friday, October 6, 2017. DJ Trainer here joined by Shannon McEwen and Ken K-Train Kreitz. Man, that, that whistle, I can't get over it. It's it's so deep and rich. You can find us on Twitter at TrainerDJ, at RotoShannon, and at Ken Kreitz. Of course, you found this podcast, but you can also find it available on iTunes and Stitcher. Also, you can find it directly on the rotowire.com website itself. Feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. You know we'd love to have it. Today on this preseason Friday, we're going to go over some top news, get into our bus heading into the season. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, I know we have some drafts this weekend and leading up to the season. Not much time left after this podcast. We only have one more podcast before the regular season hits. So last week we talked about our sleepers. It's only fair that this week we're going to talk about some of the busts. And yeah, crack one out, crack a cold one. Um, <laughs> wow! An homage to the start, the very beginnings of Rotowire Fantasy Basketball podcast with your brother. Shannon. That's how you start every episode, opening up a Mountain Dew. That's how the Mountain uh, Dew and just jock straps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll ask Shannon for his Friday FanDuel preseason plays during the regular season. We'll definitely give that a thorough breakdown, but we're just gonna let Shannon lead the way on the preseason mm-hmm. slates. 
And then, of course, Ken is going to cobble together an old man rant, as he often does. So without further ado, Ken, why don't you lead us off with some top news this Friday morning? Well, I think actually Shannon's a big fan of our first news item. I'll let him dive into that one. Not, take us to Charlotte, Shannon. I, I do not take pleasure uh, in sarcastic. other people's pain. Uh, Pure sarcasm. Nick, I'm taking pleasure in your pain. Oh, Nick Batum. <laughs> he got hurt during a preseason game earlier this uh, week, and, and the bad news surfaced yesterday. He suffered a torn ligament in his left elbow and is going to miss eight, eight to 12 weeks. Eight to 12 weeks. That's a long damn time. I, I personally had just kept him in our staff keeper league, um, so that's that's a vacant vacant spot and and money not too well spent. Um, but what how's this going to play out, guys? Who who do you who do you have on on Charlotte that's going to fill that void for Batum? Well, that's the weird thing here is that Batum kind of acted as a second tier point guard behind Kemba Walker. He could, he could run the offense. He can do some stuff. I'm not so sure there's that natural ball handler uh, left behind when Kemba Walker's on the bench. Um, I don't really know much about Malik Monk. I'm not, I'm not into college basketball that much. I'm not into rookies, as you guys very well know, and as we, I very well will talk about during our bus um, later on in the episode. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a feel for Malik Monk's game. I don't think he's been pegged as a ball handler per se, more of a, you know, a shooter and a guy that can get hot. Um, and Jeremy Lamb, you know, just naturally on the depth chart would be, you know, the kind of uh, the chalk answer. But I don't know. I, I think that Kemba Walker might just have to do 100% of the facilitating. So maybe his assists take a nice little bump, whereas Malik Monk and Jeremy Lamb see more time on the court. But I don't think there's a perfect rela- replacement for what Badoom, Badoom did for them last season. I think they'd love Monk to step up, but at only 19, it's just kind of real unrealistic to think he's suddenly, at that young age, going to be ready for major minutes. Lamb will be ready. He'll just be mediocre, and you're right. This probably gives Walker even more appeal for assists. But this is a shallow team that can't afford any bumps in the road like this. I like to think of them as the Memphis Grizzlies of the East, but frankly, they're not even that good. Uh, but yeah, Monk and uh, Lamb will certainly be the DFS plays with this. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, Monk and Lamb both get a significant bump in their values, at least for the first two months of the season um, with Batum out. You know, Monk's, Monk's specialty is really scoring. Um, he, he can fill it up from downtown. Uh, he went four for 10 from three-point land in the most recent preseason game for the Hornets. Uh, I like him a lot. Lamb's looked really good this preseason as well. We know what Lamb is, and, and yeah. he can step it up, and he can score. He's probably better utilized as a scoring option off the bench, but he's, I'd say early favorite to start would be Lamb, um, but Monk's the long-term play. And of course, Lamb the guy did that- shoot a surprising 46% from the field. Yeah, definitely. five from the free throw. His percentages have increased nicely since uh, those not-so-great OKC days. So right, if you're, if you're only drafting one of those two, which one are you targeting for season-long leagues? I've had a bittersweet relationship with Lamb because he can you know, find a span of four games where he's really valuable. And <laughs> as a rebounder, as a shooting guard eligible player who can go out there, if he sees enough minutes, he can grab you six, seven rebounds. I think he averaged over four in just a short time on the court. Um, I think I'm going to go with Monk 
but I think you're going to have to draft Monk a lot higher than you are Lamb. So I might end up with Lamb, even though I'm willing to admit that Monk might have more of the value. The third guy that we're failing to mention because we're just kind of done with this guy uh, is is Michael Carter Williams. Of course, like he he of course oh, will be the so one to sad. fill in. Um, but I don't know if the Charlotte Brass is necessarily necessarily so keen on just you know having him perfectly fill Batum's role. I think they would like to ease in Lamb, ease in Monk, and not necessarily um, give all of Batum's minutes to MCW. So that's why it took us what two three minutes to mention MCW, even though he probably will see an uptick in minutes too than he normally would have. Well, it, MCW and he won't deserve them. MCW doesn't provide the 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 range, you know, the shooting right. range that Batum had. So it's that's why he's not going to fill the void. Will he? Be DJ, you want to you want to guess what uh, MCW's shot percentage was last year? I mean, if he it's hit thirty five, I'd be shocked. He hit thirty seven. Still pretty appalling, frankly. Yeah, appalling. Unacceptable. Coming off the bench. It is unacceptable. Please. I you know I was talking to Nick Whalen, uh, RotoWire's NBA editor. And he heard a couple whispers, and I don't know how true this is. This is that this injury for Batum, you know, could be season threatening. Right now, it's eight to twelve weeks, and, and that's a long time, guys. Especially since the season starts in a week and a half here, I would be definitely, definitely concerned that this could be an injury that affects him all season long. I mean, he had a wrist injury during the last season of his time in Portland that affected him for multiple seasons. Um, and that showed up in, in his fantasy and counting stats too, where, um, you know, I, I'm definitely skeptical that this is something that's going to plague him all year and maybe something that could plague him into next season as well. This is a significant injury. The, the is one he left-handed or is he a lefty or righty? No, he's left righty, elbow. so that's why I'm okay, not good. concerned yeah. about about it. It's not his shooting arm that's that's impacted here. It's his left elbow. So I'm not as worried about it being a long-term problem or or even extended throughout the, for the entire season. That said, I mean, yes, I'm probably avoiding him in most drafts. If you have a guy who's going to miss first two to three months of the season, it's tough. It's tough to stash him for that long, especially... What about Keeper League, Shannon? <laughs> sure, <Sorry. laughs> sure. Not at the price you kept him at, but Are you going to confess sure. you, you just decided two days ago to keep him? That's, that's all I'm really nudging you about. <sighs> it's just a tough break. Yep. All right, let's move on, gentlemen. Uh, Joel Embiid not playing tonight against Boston. Didn't play in the first preseason game, though. Uh, the before-mentioned Whalen did post some video of him doing five-on-five drills up on Rotowire. This is really just an excuse. Uh, are we? Should we be placing some sort of wager on games played by Embiid? Though I'm not sure any of us are optimistic about it. Are, are you guys optimistic on games played by Embiid? The Rotowire projection is 60 games, 29 minutes per in those 60 games. I I would be willing to go over the are 60. Are you serious? Yes. Well, here we go. I'm going under 60 yeah. games. No, that's the that's the smart that's a smart bet. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. You know, I've never claimed to be a smart man. But so. here, but here's the thing. Wait, wait. Is this is this another stance socks bet? I still want some Celtic socks. Yes, yes, it is. Okay, this can be the sock bet. All right, wager done. All right, so Shannon is gonna either receive two pairs of socks or buy. He's already pair. got two for me last year. He he can't resist taking my money. Yeah, I'm looking around his office and he's really stacking up the gear that we've been giving him out over the last couple of years. <laughs> so maybe we need to wise up. But here's the thing. By Shannon saying, if he's taking the over on 60 games, Joel Embiid for at least 60 games means that you need to be drafting him no later than the end of the second round. 
If nah, you if not, you think he's nah, gonna, if you think good. he's going to play sixty games, then based on how much stats he's going to accrue in sixty games, you're saying that he's 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 worthy of a second round pick. I'm I'm not taking the over on the twenty nine minutes per game. Like it, he could play sixty five games at twenty eight per, and you're right, he would value out. He would probably value at, out at around a second or third round pick. That doesn't mean I have to pick him there. I'm still looking at third or fourth round for Joel Embiid. That's what I said last year. I said, if the news is good, so far the news has been good. The coach, Brett Brown, is, seems pretty optimistic in some of his latest comments about Joel Embiid. You know, you take not playing in preseason as good news. No, I do. I do. He's five. Okay. It's five on five. They should, He's going to be frankly, healthy. They should, they should play him. I'm All just indication, kidding, but it seems like bad yeah. news. Dude, yeah. LeBron James hasn't played this preseason. Are you worried about that? Like, I'm cut. Joel Embiid <laughs> is healthy by all accounts. All reports that we have right now is he's healthy entering the season. That's what I asked for. If I got that clearance, I would be comfortable taking him in the third or fourth round. This and is the longest standing debate we've had. We're going to update Joel Embiid every week in the every podcast. Day, almost, yeah. New segment on the pod. Joel Embiid's game count. Hey, now. Sponsored by what? Uh, Athletic tape. No. <laughs> University hospitals. Yeah. <laughs> Health insurance. Uh, yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, guys, I forget which of the two of you are big Aaron Gordon fans. Not he, me. He had no, no. 17 and 10 against a woeful Mavs lineup last night. He hit one three. Also notable, he had no assists, no blocks, and no steals. Well, what was the former Nick center that was famous for never having any of those? The guy who was former Bull, the overweight gentleman. Eddie Curry. Eddie Curry. That was kind of the Eddie Curry stat, right? When you didn't get any blocks, steals, or assists. Yes. Um, anyway, so Gordon had an Eddie Curry, even though the 17 and 10 looked good. His ADP, though, I'll say this. His ADP at 99 on Yahoo does seem a little high. Is this finally the year we see the Aaron Gordon breakup? I mean, it's. I'm not even worried about – I don't have to say finally. I mean, this. he's only 22. I'm not I, – I do think we're going to see an improvement from him. You know, he averaged – 12 and a half, five, five rebounds, two assists. You're right. It's lacking in the steals, blocks, and three-point departments. You know, I would also like to see better percentages from him, only 45% and, and 72 from the line That's not last his year. fault. That, that's organization playing him out of position. I don't disagree with you there either. I, I think we're going to see improvements from him, but you're right. I mean, ha, has... I liked him a lot entering last year. I thought there was a lot of upside. He was going to get better run, but he played out of position because they had Serge Ibaka. They're, they're not going to play him at the three this year. I, I hope not. And they might a little bit, but not nearly as much as they did last year when they were forcing him to play the position. They'd be foolish to play him at the three because they're already two stacked right now. They have Terrence Ross, Jonathan Isaac, and Jonathan Simmons, all three guys that it would be kind of nice for a young organization like this to turn the keys over to and pick one of those three. I think they're actually too deep at small forward. When they signed Jonathan Simmons, I, I was pretty surprised by it. Um, and so I, to no fault. DJ, what happens own, though? What happens? when Jonathan Isaac starts to blossom. Now your two young studs are at the same position. Well, I agree. And, and, and that's the sticking point here with Aaron Gordon is that, you know, you can talk about his hype. Uh, you know, James Anderson of Rotowire, par- prospect analyst here at Rotowire, lo- has always loved Aaron Gordon, you know, partly because he's, he went to Arizona, but because he has all the raw physical tools and the frame to be a very interesting and productive power forward in the league. However, because he plays for an organization that, you know, frankly tweets out their entire offseason plan, 
lands and <laughs> doesn't think that's yeah. an issue, right? <laughs> you know, you have to knock him down in fantasy value because he's currently playing for an organization that's not utilizing their talent correctly. And so, you know, I, I'm not a I'm not a hater on Aaron Gordon. I'm a hater of the Orlando Magic that they have stunted his progress as an NBA player. And I want to say about Isaac, Isaac's actually he can play both forward positions. He's a better small forward, even though he's taller and longer he's 6'11. than Aaron Gordon. He he's a better fit at small forward. Um, he can he can he's a better three point shooter than Aaron Gordon already. So they can actually play alongside each other and Vooch at the five. I don't know that we'll see that lineup a ton this first in Isaac's first year. But yeah, I'm 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 not high on Gordon like I was last year. I think the ceiling's not as high as I thought it was going into last year, but. At, at the 99 Yahoo ADP, he is more intriguing. You don't have to pay up for him as much as you did yeah. last year, and I think we're going to see him improvements. Eight, I'd take him in the 80s. What the heck? Nothing to lose by then. All right, let's move to Brooklyn, gentlemen, where uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, they've moved him to be the starting power forward in an ever-increasing, shrinking NBA, it seems, because they've got the junkyard dog, DeMar Carroll, starting at small forward. Uh, and he put up respectable numbers against Miami, who played most of their big guns. Ten and eight, four assists and two steals. You know, someone has to do something on this Brooklyn team. Is RHJ uh, the man for the Nets? I got to wait and see if he can play at power forward. You know, Paul George, when Indiana a couple years ago moved him from small forward to power forward, he he like publicly said he was not happy with that decision but you look at his fantasy stats and it actually was a decently you know positive switch for him um i don't know i I just have to wait for an unproven player player like rh rhj now the reason why they're moving him is it all comes back it's not directly related to d'angelo russell but inadvertently it is because they're not going to have jeremy lynn come off the bench they're just not going to but of course you you want to start your 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 young bright spot on the team which is d'angelo russell now that means that everybody needs to shift down the line um where alan crabb and damari carroll are going to fight for that starting small forward spot ronde hollis jefferson is arguably the second brightest young spot on a roster really devoid of talent so they're going to try to fit him in there is it going to work i don't know is he going to have opportunities for more uh rebounds i i I would think so because somebody's got to go out there and grab him uh trevor booker though what this whole thing means for me is that trevor booker was actually i think top 40 finished in rebounds last year and had some value as like an average NBA player seeing a lot of minutes, that no longer might be the case. So for me, what this means is Trevor Booker's value takes a hit, and I might not, I may no longer be targeting targeting him at the end of my standard league drafts. Well, I probably should have added with Carroll. Carroll got the start. Crab was out due to illness last night, and I think if you're the Nets, aren't you just showcasing Carroll to move him to some team looking for a little three and D help at the trade deadline this year? I mean, your future is not with Demar Carroll. Yeah, um, Crab Crab will take that starting yeah, spot. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And and Booker but, Booker's just a veteran presence. I I don't think he's going to impact RHJ's upside for this year. He's undersized power forward, but I mean, given his skill set, you know, for, especially from like a fancy standpoint, this is a guy who isn't going to score a ton of points. He, if he does well for you on the fantasy side, it's going to be with steals and blocks. Um, I, I think he's. I think he's going to be fine as a power forward, and I, I kind of like. I mean, the Nets aren't going to win games, so I don't mean it from that sense. Right. But I, I like him as a fantasy dart 
later in draft. Sure, because I'm 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 trying. I can't even find him on. The, oh, here he is. He's got an ADP of 148 on Yahoo. He's more valuable than that. I mean, he's starting power forward on a team that has desperately has to play him. The minutes are there. To me, he's the definition of a wonderful late round flyer, isn't he? You give him 30 minutes per game. He only he played 22 last year and averaged eight and a half points, almost six rebounds, you know, and over a steal per game. So you give him another eight minutes per game. Yeah. And that's that's pretty solid production. You're looking at like tens, you know, ten seven and a steal and a half. That that holds value in most formats. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. And uh uh, the Morris brothers, Markeith and Marcus, were cleared of all charges, and I, th- I think they. S- I heard Marcus might already pl- going to play tonight, possibly in Boston's preseason game, or at least he wants to. Guys, who has the better season, Markeith or Marcus? I've always been a little bit higher on Markeith. I think he can get it done uh, more so in the blocks and three-pointer category and, and, and steals a little bit more than Marcus. Now, obviously, they're a very similar type of player. The big issue is that even if even if Markeith actually is the better player, he's had more off-the-court stuff and just like uh, team chemistry ever since he's left his brother's side and they've been playing on different teams. So, um, you know, Marcus is more reliable. When, when he was still in Detroit, um, he just kind of assimilated into the lineup, assimilated to the team dynamic, and he was good to go. And, you know, reliability was, was definitely there for him. So I think that Markeith has the higher ceiling. Um, Mar- Marcus has the higher floor. So depending on, you know, how conservative versus how risky you are in general with your fantasy lineups, that's how I would approach it. That Washington bench is just so terrible. Well, you know what they have been doing is, or at least for portions last year, they staggered the minutes where Markeith was still starting, but he came out of the game like seven minutes into the first quarter. Once the starters officially came out, then he went out and led the second team offense. From a fantasy perspective, that means a lot. If he's the number one guy out there on the court for you know, 17, 18 minutes, um, that's yep. why I, I really think Markeith does have the higher upside. Now it remains to be seen if they're going to run out that same staggered minutes like they did last year. I mean, they were a pretty solid team last year, so they might try it again. I'm going to vote both higher ceiling and a floor for Markeith just because of the atrocious bench in Washington. But Shannon, where do you stand, sir? Oh, I'm with you guys. It's Markeith. I like Marcus. I think he's a solid player, but he was on a guy. he was on a piss poor Pistons team last season, and he's on plenty a of very, opportunity to shine there. Yeah. yeah, he had he had plenty of opportunity there. Uh, the Pistons team was basically void of offensive options, especially when Reggie Jackson was hurt. Um, even when Reggie Jackson came back, because he was limited. So Markeith or Marcus, excuse me, was was kind of forced into chucking up shots. No one else. Everyone else was kind of hesitant and, and that's why svg liked marcus so much because he would go out there and just shoot the ball a ton i mean i there were games i watched where he was the only one firing up shots for the pistons he's not going to have that kind of flexibility or leash with the with the celtics so i'm just not as high on him i you know as a part of the boss and the minutes there's no way he plays the kind of minutes no, he saw in with, detroit either I mean, the no, minutes he, when, when you're talking about like jason tatum is going to be breathing mm-hmm. down his neck for for some of those minutes Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not a big fan of Marcus this year. I think he takes a step back now that he's in Boston. And 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 another important factor here is Brad Stevens. And I think we'd all agree that he's one of the young, budding NBA coaches, has a chance to be great, especially if, if he can make things work with this roster. However, he's so smart that it, 
and, and he just kind of manipulates lineups and manipulates um, rotations so much and so often that from a fantasy perspective, it's a bad thing because he really plays the opposing team and where yeah. there could be situations where Marcus play goes out there and plays 14 minutes a game. And mm-hmm. from an X's and O's standpoint, that could make a lot of sense, and that's why Brad Stevens is really good. But we hate that from a fantasy perspective. In Washington, they have no choice. Markeith has to be out there 28 minutes a game. There's, there's just no other option. So from fantasy uh, to real life, you know, it, it matters, and you have to break that down. So that's a point in the favor of Markeith, along with all the other points that we just mentioned in his favor as well. Well, gentlemen, I know all three of us are hoping we get to see the Morris brothers live this way and uh, this season. And one great way to do that is with SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're planning a day out with friends or searching for last-minute deals, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. I've got SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's super easy to use. I can be anywhere. Friends suggest going to a game, and boom, I know how much it's going to cost. And You can even get a little sneak peek view of what the seats are going to be like. I just use SeatGeek to get to Northwestern Purdue games in beautiful Evanston, Illinois, taking the boy uh, out to the Chicago area, and uh, hopefully the Wildcats will not disappoint. Anyway, SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites, comparing prices, and finding amazing deals. You get the most bang for your buck. SeatGeek, to help make you get the most bang for your buck, will grade every ticket based on value. It doesn't end with sports. You can use SeatGeek for concerts, comedy, musical theater, which I know DJ loves. They're available, too. So, best of all, new users get $20 off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code, one word, ROTONBA. That's R-O-T-O-N-B-A. That's promo code ROTONBA, R-O-T-O-N-B-A, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See it live with SeatGeek. Right seat, right now, right from your phone. All right, gentlemen, let's get into the main topic of today's podcast. Always important and arguably one of my favorite, and I think you guys will agree, topics um, that we even cover in the preseason, of, the, and that's, of course, bus. This gets always highly debated, very contentious. Bets get thrown down. Wallets get opened. We are um, so a big fan of bus, DJ. Let's 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 get into it, guys. So I'll kick things off here um, with Serge Ibaka. Now, when when you say Serge Ibaka and you draft him, pretty much over the course of his career, you immediately in your head say, "All right, I'm good on blocks. I, I can. I don't have to focus about blocks. I'm good to go." And I want to caution all of our listeners that you can't do that anymore. Serge Ibaka is not in the elite blocker category like he used to be. If you draft Serge Ibaka, you still need to find somebody else, maybe two somebody else's that are going to help you in the block categories. And here's why. Last year, he finished ninth overall in blocks with 1.6 last season. Six other players in the NBA had at least 2.0 blocks per game back in the days when he was averaging 3.0 and even a season where he had 3.7 he was essentially the billy hamilton of 
of uh, NBA fantasy basketball, right? Because he puts you so far ahead in the blocks category and, and, and uniquely and just from one player. But you can't really say that anymore from him. So I just want to caution our listeners that no longer can you say, I'm good with blocks if I have Serge Ibaka. Not to mention, guys, he only had 6.8 rebounds per game last season. That finished him below Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Al Faroq Aminu, and the aforementioned Trevor Booker. And maybe even the most damning thing, Joakim Noah averaged more rebounds per game than Serge Ibaka last year. Um, for somebody who's taking up a power forward or center eligible spot, Serge Ibaka, my first bust of the 2017-18 season. Shannon. The reason why... Don't consider Ibaka a bust is because of his three-point shooting. He took nine three-point attempts the other night in like 18 minutes of run. He is going to be chucking all day long from downtown for Toronto. It's going to be absurd. I mean, he, like they, I went, I wouldn't be surprised. Things. They really got to space things. Yeah, they need him to space it. He is he a great three-point shooter? Not, maybe not great, but he shot 39% from downtown last year. That's pretty And, and that was on four attempts per game. I expect his attempts to jump pretty significantly. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's taken six three-pointers per game this year. And, and with that, you can take a, a lower rebound total. Because if you have a guy who's hitting two and a half three-pointers per game with one and a half blocks, that's damn valuable in fantasy. So his ADP of 51 on Yahoo right now, I'm actually really digging it. I feel like there's some sort of wager between you two on Serge Ibaka. Hey, you you guys you guys have bigger <laughs> bank accounts than I do, all right? So I, I can't be wagering every you could bet a hug. multiple times in you each You could pod. bet a 30-minute a foot massage. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. I, I will open up my pocket. I, I car wash. I car wash. that bet. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious. Delicious. All right, Ken. You give, a, you give us one of our bets here, or our busts here. Okay. Yeah. Instead of discussing awkward things, uh, I'm going to go with Carmelo Anthony. You know, oh, I don't still blame. Awkward. Still awkward. Still awkward. I don't blame OKC for going all in. No blame at all. But I just don't see how well Anthony fits in on this roster. He's sure as heck not going to be the undisputed leader in shot attempts like he was in New York. He's still got an ADP of 45. I'm not touching him that early. Uh, he's playing out of position at power forward. Um, I, you know, George and Westbrook need to be fed. And I, I just start to wonder when both George and Anthony sour on this, do not enjoy living in Oklahoma City, and uh, that ship heads south. I, I, I get it for OKC, but, uh, you know, Carmelo's all about scoring first, and if he's not taking as many shots, he's not scoring as much. So I'm just, I'm just backing away. Well, I think that, you know, you said he's, he's not going to lead the, the team in shot attempts, but I think he's going to try his hardest to lead the team in shot attempts. <laughs> no. And and that's where Did I'm Russ perplexed. Russ the ball if that happens? Russ just I, says, I, I, my so ball. He, so here's the thing, is that, you know, Russell attempted so many shots last year, of course because he was chasing stats, of course because he felt like he had to do it. At no point has the Thunder really ever had a legitimate three-point shooter outside of Kevin Durant. Um, and so I think that we could see uh, Westbrook's game uh, evolve because now he has somebody he can rely on in both Paul George and both Carmelo Anthony to shoot the three. So to no fault of his own, Westbrook has developed this drive to the hole with blinders on and finish. And, and I think that now, you know, because the roster is just better beyond the arc, 
that we might actually see him evolve. And there could be some sort of harmony that evolves. Um, but again, you know, this will be a new thing for Westbrook to kind of ease into. Now, it, Carmelo is going to be a different player this year. His stat line is going to look different. You know, he's not going to, he scored 22 points per game each of the past two years. I expect that to dip. I would put him at like 18 to 19 points per game. We Rotowire has him projected at 20. So I'm thinking 18, 19 points, six rebounds. Um, he hit two three-pointers per season last year. I actually think that'll uptake, uptick a little bit. Um, his percentages also could go up. You know, even though he's probably taking more threes, he's going to have more open shots. He's going to have less isolation plays where he's forcing shots. So I, I expect him to be, should increase. Yeah, I, I, I think he's going to be a decent fantasy player, but I agree with you, Ken. I'm not picking him in the 45 range where he's currently going. I think even if it works out well for OKC where they're winning games, you're still going to see a night where Westbrook leads them, of course. And then Paul George gets his night. You know, they have enough talent where they can kind of play the mismatches of the opponents. And so even if it's harmonious, you're going to see kind of top dog alternating, which if you hit it right in DFS is great. But the averages for Anthony, I just assume, are going to be a little down. But who else wants – Who Shannon, it's your turn to play Debbie Downer. Who are you not keen on? <laughs> All right. wah, first, wah, wah. first caution flag I'm going to throw up is Lonzo Ball. What? Wah, wah, wah. I, the thing is, I, I like Lonzo Ball as a player. I think he's going to be a decent player. There, there's a good chance, you know, he's a perennial all-star and he has he has Hall of Fame potential. Like he's that talented. But as a fantasy player, a fantasy option, specifically in his rookie year, I'm worried that he's getting drafted way too high. His CBS rank is 31. His ADP on Yahoo is 55. That's my, great. my main concern isn't that, like, I know he's going to get assist. He's going to rebound really well for a point guard. I don't think he's going to score as well as people think, um, and that's mainly because of his shot. His, his field goal percentage, it's only in one game, but it was 30, it's been 33% so far in the preseason. He shot 38% in the summer league when you're playing against lesser talent than what he'll face yeah. in the NBA. He was, he was a lights-out shooter in college. I think he shot over 50% from the floor. The problem is his shot's so herky-jerky and awkward, and he's not, he's at, despite how good and flashy he is, he's actually not very athletic. Um, like, he can dunk the ball, but I mean athleticism as far as off the bounce. He's no Dennis blowing, Smith Jr. No, like he can, he's, he'll yep. have some nice dunks and everything else, but he can't blow by people you know, on the dribble. And he's going to have trouble creating that space for his awkward shot in the NBA when he's playing against elite talent, elite, elite caliber defensive players. So I just don't see him. I mean, if he shoots above 37%, I will be amazed. I think his shooting percentage and his turnovers are going to limit his fantasy upside for this year and make it so he doesn't even crack the top 60. I agree 110%. I would have had balls my first uh, bust as well, but you'd already put it on your list, Shannon. So uh, also I think people are just assuming this Lakers roster is going to instantly gel. And I think long-term what the moves Magic's making make a lot of sense, but this is still a pretty young team that then has an old-school veteran center. I'm just not convinced that this new starting lineup is going to gel as fast as people are assuming. Those predicting Laker playoffs just seem crazy to me. Uh, and, yeah, the TOs are going to be crazy. But 31 on CBS, that is just – that's nuts. That's crazy well, town. 
Well, it's fun, right? It, it's fun to say, you know, just analyze everybody in the West and then say, well, could the Lakers get an eight seed? Because, I mean, let's be honest, they, you know, they're the, one of the most prestigious teams um, outside of your, your Celtics, Ken, uh, in the NBA. And so it, it right. is fun to say, could this ragtag uh, group of, of young players somehow um, fight their way to an eight seed? It's just fun to talk about. So I'm not going to, like, you know, hate on people for, for suggesting that something like that, because it would be a good storyline line for the league if that happened is it sure. going to happen no as long your as point your earlier point though your earlier point though dj was perfect give me dennis smith jr any day of the week over alonzo ball this season i don't know about that i i mean in terms Ooh. of athleticism yes in terms oh, oh. Of, <laughs> I, <laughs> foot massage wager coming up <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I don't want. I just don't want any rookies because you guys are pointing out valid concerns in just what happens with rookies. It's there's a rookie wall. Even if a player comes in and plays Off really, really are well. Rookies yeah, there's, are there's a rookie wall. Kristaps Porzingis hit it, you know, about three quarters into his rookie season, even though he had a fabulous rookie season. So even if a guy does play really well, he's probably going to hit that wall right when your head to head playoff you know tournament comes along so i'm just i'm just out on rookies i have all rookies listed as my bus um that's no surprise for me but we're we're comparing two rookies that's no reason not to take the bet we're saying which of these two rookies will do better i think ball will do better better because i have more faith in the lakers organization to make sure that he plays at least 30 minutes per game i'm not at your your young age then we'll just wager a milkshake on it Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Ken, you've got another bust here, and I'm very, very surprised to see it. Um, you know, bust is too strong a word, but Al Horford's just numbers are going to go down. There's just not enough shots with uh, – I mean, Ir- Kyrie Irving's going to take all the Isaiah Thomas shots, but Gordon Hayward <clears throat> has to get his. You know Stevens is going to scheme plays. So Horford's going to be the number three option. Uh, his stats went down a tick because the Celtics don't worry about offensive rebounds. All of Horford's rebound decline last year was on the offensive end because he'd rather Stevens rather get back on defense. But now you're going to see his shots a game go down from 12 to maybe nine or 10. So uh, I still love Al Horford as a player, but as a fantasy pick, he's going to be living a little more on name. And I think his shot attempts are going to be down. Bust is too strong a word, but he's on the decline. He's going to be on the decline fantasy wise and frankly i'm sure horford would be happy to trade stats for a more winning team it's interesting i agree i i i I don't agree i don't think he's a bust but and i I honestly i think he'll still get close to 12 shots per game um his value horford's value is the the efficiency you know he shoots well from the line usually he he didn't shoot very well from the floor of the last two years but you know he had a good stretch where he's close to 55% um, before going over to Boston. He's not going to put eye popping numbers up, but I still think he's going to be good for 14 and seven with, you know, three and a half assists uh, over a steal over a block. So he's just one of those boring guys who doesn't put up those video game numbers, but at the end of the day, his production always equals like top 35. So yeah. Shannon, he'll I be fine. Get- he'll just be a decline. Sorry, he'll DJ, be go fine. Ahead. He'll just be declined. Yeah, I, yeah. I think we're, we are all in agreement about that. Shannon, I want you to give a couple more of your busts here, and then I want to pose a larger question to you guys about busts in general. So Ooh. without further ado, go ahead and, and give us a couple more of your busts here. Sure. I have, I have two point guards, uh, Jeff Teague, ADP of 47 on Yahoo, Isaiah Thomas, ADP of 28 on Yahoo. For Teague, 
the usage rate's just going to drop tremendously nowadays on Minnesota. I, I can't, there's no way. I wouldn't have drafted him 47 last year when he was on a, a much shallower Indiana team. I can't envision picking him in the top 75 or 80 spots given what his role will be on Minnesota. Uh, and then Isaiah Thomas, it's all about the the hip injury. I mean, one, he's coming off a career year that he will never replicate. Two, he's got a hip injury where he might be out until January, if not later. I There's no reason to draft Thomas in the top 50, let alone top 30 like he's currently going. Okay, I want to pose a larger question here. Because in past, you know, the tenor of this conversation is – they're not going to be as good as people are drafting them, but I don't think they're a cold, hard bust, like where I'm not even going to draft them at all. In past seasons, we've had drop-down, you know, knockout fights of, like, I'm not even going to draft this guy versus I'm going to take him in the sixth and seventh round or even fifth round or something like that. And is, you know, what kind of season are we heading into where we don't have these players where we can pick out? Like, is it just going to be the most offensive-minded season of all time coming up? I mean, are, are we overlooking some of these rookies and they're all going to take a step back? Because it just seems like, you know, in general, we're, we, we, we feel like all these players are, are pretty well pegged for their preseason rankings heading into the season, whereas in past seasons we were, we were just all over the place. On, on you want us place. to be more crusty, more curmudgeon-y. More, but you want us complaining more. But here's the thing is, I don't know, I, I can't really find many players right now where, where I feel that way, where I feel so strongly. I mean, Embiid is the only one. Aside from Embiid, I just don't feel super strong to, to say that this guy is, is going to fall out of the rotation this year and not even see any minutes by the end of the year. I mean, well, you I, know what? I think Shannon's got his next player listed. He brings the salt, brings the anger that I think you're looking for, DJ. Well, Let's I, let Shannon I, go one more deep on the players because he's ready to go off. Before I name that name, I would just I would say I feel that way about Jeff Teague and Isaiah Thomas already. They those oh, guys oh, aren't going to drop to the point where I need like I need Teague to drop to like one hundred for me to even consider drafting one hundred. Yes, I need I need Isaiah Thomas to drop to like one hundred for me to even consider drafting him. So there's no way I'm going to draft those guys because they're not going to drop that far. So See, there's well, that anger. That's the, just let it out. Let it out. No, I'm not, I'm not disappointed with how our level of anger. I'm just saying that I think it's hard to tell who's going to bust coming into this season, especially because we have these super teams where it's not overly clear who's going to step aside. You know, we think that Carmelo should take a step back, but we know he's probably not going to. And you mentioned Minnesota with Jeff Teague. Like, Jeff Teague should probably be the guy that eases off the gas pedal, but I, I can't say for certain that he's going to be the one to, 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 you know, put his ego aside and do that. Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, and Carl Anthony Towns need to be the primary focus, but I think that Teague might force his way into the conversation here. I think with these super, I'm trying to make a broader point about the dynamic of the NBA with, with these super teams. Um, it, it's harder to tell who's going to take a step back because it comes down to maybe more ego than anything. And I, and I can't say definitively that, you know, anybody on the Timberwolves is going to take a step back because it, it's just so tough when we're analyzing four guys that have been in all-star consideration over the past few years. Yeah, it's a valid point. It's a valid point. Um, I'll, a couple guys I won't touch. I'm not going to touch the veterans that signed with Sacramento. I'm not going to draft George Hill or Zach Randolph. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I just don't. I I don't believe Sacramento is going to be in a position to actually play those guys. Thirty. Vince minutes Carter, forty-year-old Vince Carter, is yeah, not going to be high in your draft. Exactly. Board. 
Um, <laughs> you know, one guy on my bus list is Robert Covington. He's got an ADP of 68 on Yahoo. Robert Covington, there were stretches the last couple seasons where he was like the number one or number two option in Philadelphia just because of lack of options on that squad. He's the sixth option this year. You've got Fultz, you've got Ben Simmons, Embiid, Saric, J.J. Redick. They have other options. Covington doesn't mix in. He's still good. He's such a good perimeter defense defensive player and takes so many threes that he'll get you steals. He'll get you three-pointers still. But his percentage is going to be so bad, and he's not going to get yeah. nearly the volume that he saw in previous seasons. So I, I'm not touching him top 100 either. Well, there's ham sandwich, he, huh? he's 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 that guy. Oh, is that a ham sandwich waiter? <laughs> no, just, um, that's his nickname. That I. Oh I right, 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 uh, right. It was said infamously a couple years ago in the office here. I wouldn't oh. trade Robert Covington for a ham sandwich. For so that's sandwich. what we call him in the office. <laughs> well, Covington was that classic good player on a terrible team so he could just you know he, he probably led the league in meaningless three-pointers made after the game was well decided you know yeah. um and this team ought to be at least competitive this year and i always think of harvey grant on those old bullets teams horace's brother where he had a few seasons where for crazy reasons he scored over 16 a game just because they were so terrible and someone had to shoot the ball and coming to the team just isn't that bad anymore but, you know, I think to back to DJ's point, I think DJ's just too happy a guy, Shannon. He's not crusty enough. He doesn't he hasn't had kids waking him up in the middle of the night. He, you know, he's he's in a pleasant relationship. That's the real problem. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I mean, so D- all that's true. DJ's, all that is true. DJ's getting laid. We found, oh, we found wow. the answer. All right. No, oh, DJ. Our, our young guy, DJ's grown up and he's grown up good. <laughs> <laughs> DJ, DJ, you got a guy here that I haven't heard really anyone else label a bust. Yeah, doesn't a guy have to have positive expectations to then be labeled a bust? Oh, folks are high on him. Okay, well, yeah, stop. But this is like taking candy from a baby. But go ahead, go ahead. We are we are talking about thirty-year-old Joe Inglis for the people who can't see our <laughs> private notes here. Um, <laughs> He is moving into, obviously, what seems like a bigger role, right? Because Gordon, ha- Gordon Hayward is leaving. They didn't add a big piece to take over for him. Um, I'm not willing to say that Ingles, as I've seen on our website and some other yep. websites, that he's a top 50 fantasy player. Now, he's trending downward slowly but surely as the preseason moves along. You know, us included and other, you know, other places are also moving him down. But just because he's, he's, he's 125 he's guy, on Yahoo for draft for ADP. 125. Yeah, just 125? Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's, that's starting you to can't pick on a guy who's got an ADP of 125. This is like saying... And I think that Lance Stevenson might have some emotional issues. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would just be aware, okay, you- that thinking that he's automatically going to take over the Gordon, Haver- Gordon Hayward yeah. level of production. It's going to be a tag team effort between him and Rodney Hood. And guess what? Rodney Hood is a far better scorer. He's more capable, has a better mentality for it. I think Ingles is going to have relatively close to the exact same role that he actually had in the past two, past uh, season. The redeeming quality with Ingles is that he's played, over the course of his NBA career, 
82, 81, and 79. If we're talking about rotisserie and even head-to-head, that does provide a lot of value where he has um, better durability. And so 82 games of average stats are going to be better than um, you know 65 games of above-average stats. And so that's where I think we're seeing some of the, the hype out of Ingles and obviously that he's taking over for Hayward. Never once has this guy been labeled as a stat guy, right? I know, you know it's going to get also DJ. Also, DJ, I've heard... Heard that Joe Ingles is not particularly athletic, and sometimes Donald Trump says dumb things. Yeah, exactly. I just I, I'm not sold on Ingles. Ken, I know you have him in the keeper league. You have him at a for a dollar for one dollar. I know. I, I agree. I agree. But I'm I'm just saying that a lot of people are taking him. A lot of experts are taking him as a flyer later on in drafts. Yeah. And and I don't know why we're labeling him a lot differently than we did at any point of last season when he was right there on the waiver wire for everybody to go grab. Okay, I'm I'm going to state the case for Ingles. The the reason why he's labeled differently this year is because. His point, his minutes per game is going to jump up from like twenty four to thirty, and it will by default. All you have to do is look at the Jazz's depth chart. I mean, he he and Hood are going to start at two and three. There's not a lot of challengers to him. Joe Johnson's going to come off the bench. Joe Johnson is is older than seven years old. You know, Don. <laughs> I like Donovan Mitchell. Um, he could come on if the Jazz have a horrible season and they decide to turn the keys over to some of the younger guys. Donovan Mitchell could come on in the second half of the season. But I, I like Ingles here. I, I think he's going to be sure. he's going to do well. He's a very very underrated playmaker. You know, he had games last season where he dished out eleven assists. He can do that. Um, he's not a big scorer. So yeah, is he gonna is he gonna score fifteen points per game? No. Can he score ten or eleven points per game? Yes. Hand out four assists. Yes. And he is going to hit threes and get steals. So I mean, I mean, two, the, the, two th- how valuable is two threes a game and one point two steals a game? That it's has damn a lot valuable. Of that. He yeah. he's going to be like ten four and four with one and a half steals and, and two threes. That's top one hundred value. So, so the I, ceiling- I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to look online for a don't believe the Joe Engels hype. <laughs> He, he, Exclamation point. We're putting it out right now, Ken. His, this is it. This his is ceiling's it. low, but if he's playing 28 to 30 minutes per game, his floor is pretty low, to, or floor is yeah. pretty high. No, no, for no. The, for, be careful. For, no, from a fantasy perspective, uh-huh. he will play be a top games. 100 player if he's playing 28 minutes per game. It's not yeah. going to be pretty eye-popping stats, but he will be. So here's, here's his ceiling. His ceiling is Damari Carroll from about three or four years ago. And if you're yep. telling me that that's a guy's ceiling where it's a guy that goes undrafted and then he's picked up over the waiver wire because people slowly come around to uh, you know what he's ranked overall because of those ancillary stats, I don't know if I want to invest in a guy that's that ceiling is basically a Damari Carroll type where you know it, it's slow to progress over the course of the season and that the counting stats slowly but surely add up and you realize at the end of the season, oh, wow, I guess he was a top 100 player. But I, I, I'm just... I'm just dubious here for a guy that's per 36 numbers last year were 10.6 points. I, I'm just you know what, Shannon, I'm a little Shannon, dubious. It's Shannon, we just need to be happy. We just need to be happy that DJ's upset about something. It's the uh, Shane, <laughs> Joe it's the Ingles Badier effect. All right, like Rodney Hood's uh, going to average like seven more points per game than Joe Ingles, but Ingles they're going to be like a comparable value from a fantasy twos. standpoint. It's yeah. got nothing to do. You look at Ingles stats; they're going to be boring as hell. <laughs> but I promise you, like he's closer. We have him ranked around seventy right now, depending on your league format. He's going to show up around seventy, which is right where like Aaron Gordon is, for instance. The no blocks, no three pointers. Aaron, Aaron Gordon. Gordon. I get it. But Joe Engel, Ingles, with his 
boring production across the board boring production will end up far exceeding his ADP of 125 on Yahoo. Like that's a that's a lock. I that is a stone a lock. hot a lock. lock. It's not even cold. <laughs> it's agreed. Wow. All right, so it looks looking over our notes here, it looks like we we uh, only have well Ken, you've got Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley here. Jay Crowder, I'm Jay Crowder, I'm assuming just because they just have a lot of wing players right, right. now. Right. Who knows his minutes? He's not going to get the three-pointer attempts he got in Boston. And then Avery Bradley, there's just no way he's going to get 6.1 boards again in Detroit, not with Drummond around. Celtics were a terrible rebounding team last year and needed Bradley to get a bunch of boards. Plus you know he's going to get hurt. He gets hurt every year. But uh, I think we take it. I, th- I think th- I think we close out our bus segment with that, gentlemen. I'm, you know what? Again, let's just be happy. DJ got upset about something. It was misplaced anger, but at least there was some anger there. Good job, DJ. Hey, if I, I got you guys riled up, so whatever it, it worked. But guess what, guys? Fantasy basketball, daily fantasy basketball. That is is back. Uh, which means FanDuel is back, one of our favorites here. Uh-huh. Of course, fantasy basketball for the everyday fan. New contest starting every day, starting now through the end of the regular season. Pre-season. We have so much daily fantasy basketball to look forward to. Of course, you got something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from, starting at just $1 over at FanDuel. You just pick a contest, select your players, and watch your score in real time. Guess what, guys? I heard that in the NBA.com box score, they're integrating FanDuel point stats. So that's, I mean, that's really cool that you can follow along on NBA.com. They are. There's new standardized, this this is news for most people in the industry, new standardized fantasy scoring for fantasy basketball, which is going to be on ESPN, FanDuel, a bunch of other platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely check that out. And if you're playing FanDuel this year, yeah, before you enter NBA contest, check out the new scoring system. It's like th- you get three points per steal and block now. Um, so that's certainly something to keep in mind. Keep in mind for guys like Joe Inglis, who's not scoring a lot of points, but maybe will help you out in that in that category. There you go. We're three of the two and a half million players that have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer here at Rotowire for new users, sign up today at fanduel.com slash Rotowire. Uh, that is RW. So let me be clear. FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. Ken, why don't you hit us with your crazy old man rant before we get out of here? We're, we're late, so I'll be quick. I want to complain about every NFL announcer between Summerall and Madden, who I loved, to Tony Romo. Tony Romo has no practice doing it all this, doing this at all, and yet he's better than every announcer we've had since Summerall and Madden. How can that be? How is it he's the only ex-player that can actually make insightful comments and predict upcoming plays? I enjoyed Romo last night. Once again, he predicted a bunch of plays. I don't, to, Troy Aikman, where have you been the last ten years? You can't do what Tony Romo's doing in like on day one. Anyway, there's my abbreviated rant. I love it. You know why? It's because he's genuine. He's just saying what he feels like, and, and and he's it's like you're watching the game in his living room, and it's awesome. I wish more announcers would be like that too. Just be a little more candid. I like yeah, it quite well, a bit. Thank you. Let, I agree. Let's cut to. So, what were my mispronounced names? This uh... absolutely nothing. I have no. You, you just need to be quiet for the rest of the pod, Ken. 
I decided not to pick any international players as my uh, busts. There you go. <laughs> Wising up here in the preseason. I did tease it, so we're going to go to Shannon really quickly for his Friday FanDuel preseason slate. Shannon, why don't you give us a couple of options that you're looking at tonight? <laughs> I know it's very hard. Preseason, preseason, La -la. tough, tough, tough stuff. But but I like I like Ben Simmons who had like six, seven, and nine in his first preseason action the other day. Huge on, on Ben Simmons for DFS this year. Um, like him for tonight's slate. Give me some of the... Uh, so that, that kind of is my theme. Young guys or players on new teams. So give me Ben Simmons. Give me Stanley Johnson, who should get a chance to run and earn minutes for the regular season. Chris Dunn, De'Aaron Fox, Victor Oladipo. Um, Oladipo, because he's on a new squad. So look at those young guys... Um, and then and check to make sure if you're going with any of the star players, check to make sure they're actually playing tonight because preseason preseason's pretty crazy. It's it's hard to predict some of it. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Fan of Fantasy Basketball Podcast presented by FanDuel. Ken, why don't you get us out of here with a nice quote of yours? I will, and you know, uh, tax reform is uh, in the topic in the news, so I decided to uh, dive into the thunder from down under. Got a quote from Luke Longley. Oh former th part of the three-headed monster in Chicago, you might remember with Bill Cartwright and Will Perdue. Anyway, he said, quote, I was thinking I was going to be a rich man until the government stepped in and took it all. Oh, poor Luke Longley. What, so you only made five to seven million riding Jordan's coattails, not uh, 15? Boo-hoo. Anyway, attention passengers, this three-car fantasy train has hit the end of the line. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.